0: Good morning you guys. My name is Ashley Hardy and I'm going to start just by reading this this passage this passage to you guys. And when I came to you brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That is what I wanted to say to you this morning. And then also, I am convinced, I am sure That neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present or things to come nor powers or height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I'm telling you that today too guys no matter what it is things that have happened to you. Things that are going to happen to you, the strongest darkness that you could ever imagine or the the hardest loss or death that has ever happened, it will not separate you, cannot separate you from the love of Christ. It, it, It is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so what's amazing about this story, you guys, so God the Father, he had one son, Jesus Christ, and he chose to send his one and only son, Jesus who is God. He is God. He's perfect in every way. Jesus came to the earth, and he took the form of a servant or a slave. He became a baby. There's nothing more vulnerable than a baby. He became a baby, and it says that as he grew up, he was tempted in every single way, and so I want you to think for a second about the last time you were tempted to do something wrong, to look at something you shouldn't, to touch something that you shouldn't, to say something that you shouldn't, to Act in a way that was not holy. Jesus was tempted like that too. He was. And then think of every terrible thing that's ever been done to you. All of those things, Jesus was tempted to do those things too. He never did it one time. Never one thought, one deed, one act. Jesus never sinned once. He was perfect. And so what happens is we are sinful, evil people. Every one of us. There is not one that is good among us. Not one. Not one of us is good not one of us. And so because all of us are evil, God is perfect. He is holy. And a holy God cannot dwell with unholy evil people. And so what happens there is in order for us to be able to have relationship with God the Father, a sacrifice has to be made. And so before Jesus came, what would happen with the people of God is they would sin and do wrong things just like us. And so they would sacrifice a lamb or some sort of a sheep or animal or something. And the blood that was spilt, that death of that animal, the blood that was spilt, it was the atonement or the sacrifice, so that then they that death covered the death that we owe, so they were able to step into unity with the Father again. Okay? So then the people of God would go keep going along the way. They would sin again. There would be separation from the Father. Another sacrifice had to be made. A death had to happen. A blood had to be spilled for the the payment of their sins, and then it happened. They had a relationship with the Father again, and it went on and on and on. And so then it said, no, Jesus came, and he's the perfect lamb of God. He was the sacrifice. So his sacrifice on the cross, that blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross when he died was perfect blood. It was the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could wipe away every sin from every human being on planet Earth for all time. It happened in one man, Jesus Christ, in his death. It was finished forevermore. Every evil deed ever done was covered by his blood. Every place of separation that we have for our sins that we've committed that separates us from God, it was paid for by Jesus. And so then he didn't just stay dead. He came raising up out of the grave. Three days later, he conquered death. He conquered it. It's death is no more. In Christ, there is no more death. In Christ, there is no more death. He conquered it. He is life. He overcame death. And then he said, okay, guys, this is the best part. In Christ, you can have eternal life. In Christ, you can step into him and receive the payment that he made for your sins and have relationship with God forever. You and God unified together forever, all of eternity. All of your life, every painful day on earth, you have God the Father with you. You have the promised indwelled Holy Spirit with you only because of one man, Jesus Christ. He is the way, He's the truth, and He's the life, and no one can come to the Father except through Him. And when that happens, you're buried. In your transgressions and you're raised to walk in newness of life, you are born again. When you choose to receive Jesus as the payment for your sins and put your hope and trust in him, it isn't just like this life step and journey, like, like, okay, I got my driver's license. I chose to follow God. It changes you forever it transforms you it makes everything about life look different it makes the things of this world tasteless and ugly and and yucky to you and you want holy things because you are his created created one you're his creation and you're walking together with him the things of this world grow strangely dim when you're walking with him and so we talk about spending time with God every day at this church, not because it's a thing we should do, it's because he has the words of eternal life. Where else can we go but to spend time with him? What do we have to give if we're not getting from him to give and to pour out? Does that make sense? And so when we're unified and we're walking together with God, then we're his church, right? And I think about being the church, and when I think about it, I always think of walking, what if, what it would have been like if we walked with Jesus on earth. If we had the chance to be His disciples, like when he lived here, you know, and sleep in the tent and wake up in the morning and like stoke the fire, cook our fish, roll up the sleeping bag, and like walk to Jesus with Jesus to the next town and listen to him and see his eyes and the dirt. And I just think of what it would have been like, you know, to be with him. I wish I would have been born then, you know, and had actually been able to be one of those disciples. And then I think about the day of Calvary and when he died on the cross and how what an honor it would have been to have been with Jesus, like to have been able to be there and not leave him and watch him and and not take my eyes off of him and then have the, the treasured responsibility of like helping prepare him for the tomb, you know, because they did that. They helped prepare his body for the tomb. And so I want you to think with me: if you had that honor and you were there at the cross with Jesus and you were able to prepare him, what are some of the words that you would use to describe the attitude you would treat? have as you, as you treated Jesus' body, as you, as you prepared him? What are some of the words that you would have in your attitude? Can somebody tell me some words? Reverence. Reverence. What else? Honor. Honor. Awe. Awe. Yes. Any other words come to your mind how you would feel when you were preparing Jesus' body? gentleness. And so what I want to say to y'all this morning you guys is we the church are Jesus's body. We're the body of Christ. And when we look at one another, no matter your age, your skin color, your your background, your clothing style, we want to treat each other with honor with awe, with reverence, with respect, with, 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 we treat, we're precious. We're like, just like you would Jesus's body. If you were right there, that's how I want you to look at every person in this room and treat them like that, with that kind of care, that kind of protection, that kind of defense. That's how what would you do if they tried to touch him? No, you know, No. That is how we must be, you guys, rising up and saying, we are the body of Christ. We are the church, and he is the head, and so we will act like it. We will treat each other like that. We're not going to look at one another and compare and contrast and judge and criticize and have these unrealistic expectations. We're human All of us have fallen short, everyone. He's the head, and we're going to work together and honor each other in reverence, just like we would his body, okay? And so then, if we are spending time with him, we've been transformed by him, we're loving each other, then we get to go out and tell people about Jesus. Hey, let me tell you about this one who changes everything. Let me tell you about his bride who's waiting for him to return. His body who can't wait, who are working together in love and honor. Come, let me show you what it's like. People want to see that, don't they? They want to be a part of that. They don't want to be a part of whatever else the church could look like when it's divided and hurting and broken and not really even following him, you know? And so, no, we want to be people that are following him, united and reverent together and going and inviting people out of the darkness and into the marvelous light over and over and over and over again. And when we look like that and we are like that, it's like Acts 2, 42 through 47, in our midst, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They, In the fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayer, everyone was filled with a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. The believers were together, and they had everything in common. They gave as they had need. They sold their property and possessions. They ate together in the temple courts. They had gladness and sincere hearts. Many wonders and signs were done They praised the Lord, and he added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is the church, and he is our king. And when we choose to follow him like that, we can't help but but want to invite people along. So we're talking about evangelistic discipleship today, okay? And so we've talked about peer discipleship, mentor discipleship. And so with evangelistic discipleship, basically what that means is, we're filled with him, loving each other and inviting people into the family of God. And we do that just everywhere we go. At the grocery store, at the library, in my class, along the way, at the gas station, wherever I am. I'm saying, I am an ambassador of Christ. It says in um, 2 Corinthians that we're his ambassadors. That we, can, we go and we represent Jesus to, to others. And then it talks about in Isaiah, how blessed are the feet that go on the mountains that bring the good news. And we want to bring good news, and we are his ambassadors. We have the authority to do that. And so with the rest of our time, I want to take a really close look of, at, at the life of Mary Magdalene. And the reason why is because with evangelistic discipleship, I think it's so important to remember that we're in any, any discipleship, <clears throat> especially when we're evangelizing, like telling someone who might not know about God, and teaching them about God or introducing them to God, we are all we're doing is like those people in, the, in the, the days of Jesus that took their friend and they walked up to the top of the roof and they cut the roof open and they lowered their friend down to Jesus. That's what we're doing, okay? And so it's helping make a way for whoever it is to be standing in front of him. That's discipleship. Okay, that's discipleship no matter if you're a peer or you're a mentor or it's someone you've never met before or whatever it is as a specific season of life, you are helping one person find their way to stand right before God and let him change them and learn how to follow him. Does that make sense? That's the role of a discipler is to, teach, to help that person be able to hear God and stand before him, okay? And so we're gonna look at Mary in her life and do a study of it together through, the, through one of the episodes of The Chosen, this new show that's out, or maybe it's not that new anymore. And we're going to um, look at how there was very real pain in her life that led her to very significant bondage. And it says in Luke 8, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and that 12 were with him, and there were some women who he had healed of evil spirits and infirmities, and Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And so when we're talking about demons, it can be weird and awkward. It's like a scary word, you know, but I want you not to distance yourself from it, I want you to step in and find find yourself in it, you know? Okay, so here is this lady who you'll see had a precious, sweet upbringing and had been taught the word of God from the beginning of her life, but then very painful, real experiences happened in her life, and it brought um, this choice where with her pain, she had to choose between trusting in God's ways and needing God or Trusting in the ways of, of the enemy. And it happens in our own lives all the time where we have pain and we can choose do I trust anger and fear and control and to, to help me in this situation or do I want to trust Jesus? And if we choose the one way over and over of the enemy, over and over and over again, it builds a mindset that can lead to a stronghold in your life where you find yourself making actions that you don't even want to make. And you, that is what a stronghold can look like in someone's life. And so I want you to see how this plays out in Mary's life. And we're going to start, um, and then we're going to play several scenes in a row, and then I'll speak to you after, I mean, several scenes, and then I'll speak to you after each one. And so let's go ahead and, and roll the first one about Miss Mary Magdalene.
1: Hey, be sleeping, little one. can't sleep. Sit down, sit down. Not your head hurting you again? No. no. I know. You are thinking of the big new star. Hey, look, it's right there, you see? No. Why can't you sleep? I'm scared. Of what? I don't know. Hey, what do we do when we are scared? We say the words. Adonai's words. From the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah write. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. And he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. Come now. I won't hear you sing. I won't hear your pretty voice. Come. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have Called you by name. You are mine. You are mine.
0: This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. And so this scene, it really does establish her innocence, the beauty of her upbringing, that she had this father that spoke the truth over her. She was just a little girl who woke up in the night and felt afraid, and her father taught her what to do. He gave her a weapon of of the word of God to fight when she felt sad or scared in the middle of the night, you know? And so how did Mary get to where she is, Where how she was there in this broken, broken, broken place? And so I meant to say this before, but the next couple of scenes has content in it that um, can be sensitive and a little graphic for... For children, and so if there is a child in here watching on the stream, please protect them from that. It could be um, hard to watch, so please use your use your discernment with that. I just want to make sure to say that. Um, and in between, so I'm going to move past one scene that happens in this story. Um, I'm not going to show it today, but it is when basically what, right where you where she woke up just then, she had had this like episode where. She lost control of her ability to choose what she was doing and ended up hurting this man. And there was this, um, the, the, everyone was in an uproar. You know, what are we going to do to help Mary? How can we help her? And how did she even get this way? And it's scary. And what do we do? and she's so sweet you know you see her as a child she's so sweet how did this happen people are scared they don't know what to do and so the roman soldiers went to nicodemus who was one of the pharisees the leader of the pharisees and they were like you're a religious guy why don't you help her you know you you help her and um, he so he goes and he brings all of his people with him and he has all these materials and he's like shaking this incense and he's like walking in and he's like in the name of da-da-da-da-da. You know, trying to, and it's like clear he's terrified, and it's clear that she, that he has no authority over this evil in her life, and so she leaves this experience, and that's where we pick it up in this next scene, and she's just at her bitter end. I mean, she's like, there is nothing for me to do. I have, I have no, no, no one else can help me. The biggest, baddest Pharisee man came, and he can't help me, and so there's nothing left. And so you see her also going and there's like basically they show us a history of some of these painful, very painful events that happened in her life that I believe brought on this, this torment in her life. And so we'll see that and then we'll see her go and talk to her friend. And, and I want you to notice with her friend how he tries this holy water to try to help her and heal her. But it's just clear that she has decided that there's no one else that can help. There's nothing more to do. And so let's watch this next part.
1: What do we do when we are scared? We say the words. Adonai's words. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not. Thus said the Lord who formed you, O Jacob, and he who created you, O Israel, fear not. fero me Alive. We heard there was trouble. Come sit. I can't stay long. I know. Please sit. Fresh off the boat from Cyprus. No, I don't have the strength. Come down. You know what they say. A mock or prevention? There is no preventing us, the soul. there is no cure. Come on, Lily. It's getting worse. Yesterday, they brought in a holy man. Someone aboard Maybe even from Jerusalem. I only remember bits and pieces and flashes. The Pharisee? He's a leader of the Pharisees, and he ran away in terror. One religious big shot, just as full of it as the next. No, I am in hell. I'm sorry. Please. Just try We brought you something You didn't have to It's for your nephew I'm one of your nephews Thank you Looks like it was loved for a very long time It used to hold something valuable I don't need it anymore. You're beginning to scare me. You and everyone else. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) Thank you. There's something I need to do. Nick. You listen good now. You drink that up, and then the next one, and then the next one. And then you stay here till you feel better, or till hell comes. And if it does, we face it together. Now that you are my worst than me. Eunuch, we're thirsty here. Okay.
0: So much that I feel like we could say from that scene, but I wanted to start just by acknowledging that you know, this the untimely death of her father impacted her, it would impact all of us. And if you're sitting in this room and have experienced the untimely death of any of your loved ones, it affects you majorly. And God, Jesus. God Himself is available and present to heal and touch every one of those places of pain and every place of wounding in that. But it is a terrible, tragic, horrible loss, and it affects any person, you know. And then she goes and has this attack that happens to her, and that type of trauma in any of our lives also is significant and real. And um, when when it happens, there it it we as as humans. We have to respond to the pain that comes from it. And if we don't have the tools or haven't learned how to find Jesus in those places of pain and let him touch and heal them and receive from him, it's just almost impossible to make it through without finding something to help us feel better, you know? And so it's not like you've done something wrong. If you are experiencing a stronghold due to a place of pain, you're in good company with every person on planet Earth. But that's what Jesus came. He came to help us find him in those places of pain. Do you know what I'm saying? And so there she was without help. There was nothing, no holy water, no big shot Pharisee, No, not even the truth that she had been taught her whole life. It was like she it couldn't help her anymore. She had, she had any, tried it all. And nothing, even her sweet friend was there trying to help her. I'll stand with you. And she's like, no. So she gives away her doll, you know, and she's like, there's nothing left for me here. And so I wanted to, to pick it up here. And, and I, at the beginning of this scene, we listen to Nicodemus, that Pharisee, trying to explain his, you know, wisdom, which is not wisdom at all. It's It's lies. Um, about what was wrong with Mary and how good Christian people should really act, and I believe that it's so interesting how that this this uh, false teaching combined together with the way that the choice that she tries to make, it just like goes together. And basically, it shows that um, that the belief that we have the power to make ourselves good enough for God ultimately leads us to death. And so let's watch.
1: Brothers, when we follow God's law to the letter, God is alive through us. Would you agree, people? Yes, brother. And He lives through you and you and you if you follow His law. Now imagine, if you can, one who heeds only wickedness for a lifetime. Demons root in wicked souls as pigs in filth. A possession like this was fatal, and souls such as hers, sadly, are beyond all human aid.
0: Praise God that he sent the dove. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be with us, you guys. And I just feel like it's just so sweet, the picture of that bird trying to save her life and distract her from making this terrible choice. And I know that this is intense um, content, but it is so relevant for us right now. And I just want to say, if you're in this room, and you're tempted to take your own life. That, that this, the sound of my voice and the brothers and sisters in this room, we are that dove today. And we are saying, don't do it. Jesus is waiting for you. There is purpose for your life. And I know that the pain is unimaginable, but he is there for you in it. Okay? And the answer isn't ending it. That is not the answer and i want to also say that that it doesn't have to be this like big big not not on the on the suicide but this big graphic this big graphic battle that you would imagine as a demon it can be things that afflict you that feel like they're normal in our culture but that are holding you bondage that jesus needs to set you free from, and so things that seem normal like sexual addiction or gossip or slander or compulsory spending or, um, or yeah, I mean name them. There's a million of them: greed, fear, control. Those things are not of heaven they are not the way that god intended for you to live and what he has for you is abundant beautiful life and so what i want you to watch here is this very final scene and i'll have the band go ahead and come up as it starts to play is mary this unsuccessful attempt of ending her own life and she goes and she goes back to her friend and she turns to substance abuse she turns to alcohol she's like fine if i can't even do that like i will just drown everything out and then that's where she encounters healing and so let's let's play the last scene Mm
1: So did it work? I'm sorry, Lilith. Lilith? What? I should talk, huh? <laughs> oh what, huh? It's going to scratch me too? Come on. Not now. So c- Not now. She smells anyway. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to it. Said leave. That's not for you. Don't touch me. Oh, Lily, 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 are you okay? I. I have to go. Leave me alone. Mary of Magdala. Who are you? How do you know my name? Us says the Lord who created you. And he who formed you. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You.
0: Jesus, I'm just going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are calling people by name today. You are putting your hands on the sides of their head, and you are saying their name. And you are saying, you are mine. I have redeemed you. And so, Father, I just pray right now for every heart in this room that needs to be freed that needs to be freed from anything, Lord Jesus, anything that's troubling us, anything that's tormenting us, anything that we can't say no to, that we know doesn't help us, we, Lord, we ask that you would do it now in Jesus' name. And so this morning, we are gonna ask that if you know that you need to be free, that you would just come and you would kneel here at the front. And we're gonna have some of our leaders come and just pray. But over you, but we want you to kneel before Jesus. Come, and I want you to imagine that he's just standing right up here, and I want you to kneel right before Jesus. And so, oh Lord, I pray for boldness for each one that needs freedom, that they would come. In Jesus' name, amen.